helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 Weekdays on Vision Christian Radio. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. Well, it was a day like any other day. Scott was um, off to work and I remember it was after 9.30 and he still hadn't arrived home. So I tried calling a few times and it just sort of rang out and went to his message bank and I started to really worry. I think we called the police um, just to see if they had any news and we were told that a policeman was coming around to the house. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story, where today, Tanil Jeffrey will share the amazing way God carried her through traumatic events in her life. Tragically, she lost her husband shortly after he had put his faith in Christ. But as we'll hear, Tanil's faith played a major role in her healing. She's chatting and sharing her story with Shelley Scullin. tell the story of your first husband today. His name was Scott and uh, he he did pass away tragically in a, a very uh, sudden accident. Yeah. I want to talk to you first though about his own testimony. He <laughs> lived an extraordinary life. Tell us about uh, his childhood and, and how he came to accept God. Um, Scott was brought up in a Christian family. Um, he had very loving parents. Um, who went to church every Sunday and he attended Sunday school. Um, yeah, he was brought up um, in that wonderful Christian environment and went to a Christian high school. Um, but sadly, you know, for, for him and for possibly many other people, um, the teenage years, um, there was a lot of peer pressure and, you know, lots of other things going on that sort of drew him away from God and mm. um, that's sort of when he walked away from, from his faith. Sadly, it's a story that we hear so often, isn't it? You know, it's, kids given yeah. the right grounding and all the rest and then they just make that decision to walk away. Yeah, that's right. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what happened to Scott. Things got in the way and so he went off and, and I guess did his own thing and in some cases kind of willingly rebelled. He was, you know, doing not not full on, you know, major crimes, but in his testimony he talked about that he just wanted to get ahead and he was kind of not really paying attention to the feelings of others in the way that he was living. That's right, and that's what he he admits in his testimony. It was eye-opening to me as well because um, I met Scott when he was actually 26 um, so he'd already sort of had had a previous life before um, before I came along, and mm. um, I think those previous years were probably a little bit more wild than um, when after you know after we met and got married. But then, having said that, at the time I wasn't a Christian either when we met, right. um, and yeah, so you know as. As the years went by and, you know, people were praying for me, I became a Christian and, and Scott still wasn't. So, and, you know, that that's hard in itself. Yeah. Tell us about the struggle there. I too was brought up with um, a Christian mother and my father wasn't um, a believer. And I remember the struggles that, that she went through. Um, she's an absolutely beautiful woman and I love her to bits and I just thank her and thank God every day for such a wonderful mum and for giving me that early Christian influence, um, which 
you know, I recalled later on in, in life and, yeah, it was, you know, recommitted my life to God and it's just, I remember just feeling wonderful and free when I did. And Scott was happy for me to go to church and participate in Bible study and, and that was that was really good and that was a big thing because my dad was, you know, with my mum was totally against all of that. So she was a little bit of a secret believer, if you know what I mean. She'd yeah. um, have to read a Bible when dad was at work and all that kind of thing. But um, anyway, so Scott was happy for me to, to go to church and after a little while, I guess his guilt and, and the things of his past were sort of catching up with him and there was a real battle going on within him and, and he would um, not take it out on me but sort of, you know, try and have these debates with me about... Um, you know, hypocritical Christians and um, all this kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and it was, I could just see that battle going on. You know, I, I knew that God was working in him that, you know, Satan doesn't want to let go. Yeah, that went on for a little while. And and, and I understand one of the big um, stumbling blocks or, or the, the things getting in the way of him uh, coming to Christ was also the whole creation evolution thing as well. Absolutely, yes. He wanted proof. You know, where's your proof? And I mean, for me, my proof is look up into the sky and and have a look at the stars. And but you know, I guess for him it was it was he needed more than that. And um, yeah, in his testimony, he talks about Creation Magazine. That that's a wonderful ministry, and and that really helped him with evidence for his faith. So. He- what point did he come to then when he decided that he did need to make Jesus the Lord and Saviour of his life? Um, as I said, we were going through a really difficult time in our marriage. Um, basically, um, his past had caught up with him and it came to light that he had um, been unfaithful in our marriage. This was years years and years previous to um, the event and um, I had only just found out at that time and I was thinking I, I don't want to stay in this marriage this is this is just terrible I can't believe that you know this has happened and and I remember he was terribly sorry and it really broke him that he'd hurt me so much and um, he was repentant and and that was a, a huge thing I think and I remember um, telling my pastors at the, up in Serena that um, what had happened and with so much love they offered counselling to Scott and I and really encouraged me to forgive and, and I guess um, we Scott agreed to, to go to counselling with my pastors and that was another huge event in his life as well that love that he received from them and not not that condemnation and in today's society if somebody does something wrong we're we're so um we live in such an unforgiving time you know and um i remember thinking too that you know i don't have a, a shiny past either you know we're all sinners and there's no God doesn't judge us on our um, individual sin. We all sin is is the same. It's all sin. So um, yeah, it's all as bad as each other. There's, yeah, there's no exactly one sin. Right. That's, there's no one sin that's worse than another sin uh, yes. in God's scale of things. Yeah, 
Exactly. So, um, and he, God forgave me when I asked. And as a Christian, you know, we all want to aim to be Christ-like. And so I decided to, yeah, I wanted to be Christ-like and I wanted to forgive him. And I, I, and I decided I did not want to leave the marriage. And um, yep, I forgave and, and we went to counselling and it was, very soon after that that Scott became a Christian. Wow. Mm. That's wonderful. And like you say, it maybe the fact that he had that repentant heart about that one issue mm. then opened up the way for him to be repentant about all of his sin and yep. uh, really let Jesus into his life like that. Yep. So That's that right. signaled a fairly big turnaround then in his life and in your marriage then. And, uh, yeah, you must have seen some pretty dramatic changes then. Oh, incredible changes. We've had a um, a young son, Dean, and he was a wild child. He was <laughs> a beautiful spirit, but um, yeah, he'd love to, you know, very strong-willed. And because I guess when when you've got parents who are not on the same page, it's very difficult. Yeah. And when Scott became a Christian, our church family noticed the difference in Dean. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Scott was becoming he stopped swearing and he stopped drinking cold turkey and just his life was it was just an amazing witness to people around this dramatic change that had happened in him and um, he even used to take his bible to work and and sit there and and read his bible in amongst all these men um, at his workplace and and that was amazing too You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scarwin is chatting with Tanil Jeffrey, who's reflecting on her life journey. Next, Tanil will share about the amazing way God carried her through some traumatic life events. That's coming up when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with Tanil Jeffrey about the amazing way God has carried her through some traumatic events in her life. Next, Tanil will recall the tragic events on the day her husband died. Neil, it was one day in August 2011 that your world was absolutely turned upside down. Can you tell us about what happened that day? Yeah, um, it well, you know, it was a day like any other day. Scott was um, off to work and I wasn't working at that time, just a, a stay-at-home mum. And um, he was due to finish work about 9 o'clock that evening and um, I remember it was after 9.30 and he still hadn't arrived home Um, so I tried calling a few times and it just sort of rang out and went to his message bank and I tried calling after that and it just went straight to his message bank and I thought that that was really strange Um, and I started to really worry. I didn't know where to to call or, you know, to call his work or um, what to do next so I I remember going and opening the garage and I could see two people walking across the road over to my place and it was my neighbours 
they were members of our church and um, Adrian also worked with Scott uh, and I said he hasn't come home and um, I think at that point they knew something had happened but didn't say anything to me but Rebecca sat with me um, and they said that there had been an accident um, and they'll I think we called the police um, just to see if they had any news uh, and we were told that a policeman was coming around to the house. That's never and, a good sign, is it? No, and I guess I, I thought at the time that's bad, um, but I couldn't believe that, you know, it was as bad as it was. And um, anyway, soon after that, yeah, the policeman arrived and he came in um, and followed behind him were my pastors, Lindsay and Joe, um, and a beautiful friend from church, Meredith. They'd all been crying and I looked at Meredith and her eyes were so red and she'd been crying and I just remember my legs went from underneath me and my eyes were closed and I could hear people talking around me and I opened my eyes and I was on the floor and in Meredith's arms and she held me to her and said, he's with Jesus. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, it's amazing how God even had his hand on how I found out. Um, Mm. I wasn't alone when the policeman came. You know, all those people who loved us so much, loved me and loved Scott, were there and... um, yeah, so yeah. we Meredith held me for a while and we were crying and after I'd um, calmed down a little bit, the policeman was able to tell me that um, as Scott was travelling home from work on his motorbike, um, there had been some stray cattle on the road um, off a paddock um, beside the road and he didn't see it and was killed instantly. Wow. He collided with it with them and, and was killed instantly. There was no speed or anything involved. It was um, purely an accident, but yeah. What an awful thing to have happened. I mean, as you say, a day that started out just like any other day mm. and then ended with your life completely turned upside down and those words that no wife ever wants to hear, you know, it's just awful. As you say... It, it was really lovely that you had that many people from your church. What a great support network around you mm. right when you needed it um, mm. to, to help you ke- get through those initial moments of mm. just complete and utter, utter devastation. It would have just been awful. Mm-hmm. How did the church How did the church rally around you in the days and weeks and months to follow? My church was absolutely amazing. Um, I couldn't speak more highly of them or thank God for them, you know. Um, They stayed with me that night and um, the next day I was never left alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you get any sleep that night? I did. Um, One thing that really sticks with me during that time is that God gave me sleep and I'm one that doesn't function at all with um, with little to no sleep, but he allowed me to sleep, which was such a blessing. I woke up at very early, but um, yeah, I did 
I was able to sleep and I, I remember sleeping a lot in that first week mm. just out of, you know, coping with grief, I guess, and, you know, sleep is the only escape that you have from the pain, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But the grief is physically exhausting as well. It's yeah. It's not just mentally and emotionally. It is actually physically exhausting. I can see that you would need to sleep so mm. much. That's right. How, um, how else did the church help? Yeah, we. Um, I think I went for about three or four weeks without needing a meal. It was amazing. They. I don't know if they had a meal roster going or um, whether they just sort of took it upon themselves to to make meals, but um, it was amazing. We just had night after night. Someone would come with with something and um, even in the wider church community not just from my own church but other churches in Serena um, the beautiful ladies had come over and and um, drop off a meal and and that was wonderful because I had um, got family come come up and my own family were there and we didn't have to make anything during that time so that was a real blessing a real blessing and um, mm. yeah, the it's men funny in the church food... would come and help um, mow the grass and um, help with things around the house that I didn't yet know how to do. And yeah, yeah, they were wonderful. It's funny how food just means so much. Like it's not just the fact that it's something to eat for the night. It's the fact that someone has lovingly prepared it mm-hmm. and gone to all the effort of all of that, been thinking of you the whole time and then driven to your house to drop it off. Yeah. I think that's what means more, hey, rather than just having something to fill your tummy with. It's knowing that someone is loving you each that's night. That's right. And, um, yeah, they'd, they'd come in and, and it was nice um, for my family to to see that love and support that I was surrounded with as well because, um, you know, we had a house up there. We had no family um, of our own up, up there in Serena. Um, so it was it was fantastic that they knew that we, Dean and I were loved and, and being taken care of. Tanil, one thing you mentioned was that uh, some of the men from the church came over and did some of the things around the yard and whatnot and taught you how to do some of these things that you didn't yet know how to do, mm-hmm. which made me think of you know the practicalities of when you do lose your husband. Mm-hmm. What were some of those those practical things that just became so much harder? The first thing that comes to mind was mowing the lawn. Mm. I'm sure I'd pushed a mower around before, but I had no idea how to even start it or mm. how to put petrol in it. That was one thing that was really great. I guess... Um, you know, I didn't want to depend on on others. I wanted to learn for myself. I wanted to know how to do it because Scott wasn't coming back and I needed to be able to do these things for myself. So some wonderful men from the church um, came over a few times to either mow the grass for me or show me how to do it. And um, they even, yeah, took the mower and gave it a service for me. And mm. um, yeah, that was one thing that was so practical and, and really helpful. Yeah. Again, just showing love through all the little things, the little practical things that mean so much more than just mowing the lawn. It's showing that they care about you and yep. your family. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. The other interesting thing, of course, is that you had your little boy. He was around five years old at the time, was he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How did you go about telling him? Um, 
It was actually on on the night um, that Scott was killed that um, I think he he must have been woken up by all the you know all the talking and and goings on um, in the house and um, my my pastors encouraged me to go and talk to him um, rather than hearing it from somebody else. So mm. we sat down in his room and I said to him that um, Dad had been in an accident on his way home from work and that he went to heaven, mm. that he died and, and um, went to heaven and he was with Jesus. And um, I didn't know how he would respond to that being five, but he started wailing and crying out for daddy. Mm. And um, I guess in his little mind, he knew what he knew what I was saying, and he knew that um, yeah, he understood what had happened. That must have been the hardest conversation you've ever had in your life. Yeah, it was. It yeah. was, and just to um, you know see him react the way that he did in yeah. like understanding and and crying and I could only hold him but there is hope and I do want to talk about this because that little boy now has a new daddy and you've got a new husband tell us about how you've been able to get through this time and move on you've got a new love story now tell us about it by God's grace we finished the year out in in 2011 in Serena um, Justine and I and then God paved the way for me to come home back to the Sunshine Coast and um, it was so evident. I got my old job back and, and enrolled Dean in a Christian school down here and yeah, so, so we moved back and, and I settled back into the church that I'd previously been to. There were times where I felt lonely but I was never alone and everything was sort of, you know, going along quite well and I was very content and had a wonderful close relationship with with Jesus and um, that was a really special time um, yeah so we'd been going to the church for um, a while and um, about two and a half years ago a new family started coming Jim and Jeannie and their son Josh and Josh is about the same age as me and um, we we got along really well he was He's a lovely man, and we just started building a, a really nice friendship, and that's how it all sort of started. And um, within the church, the men would organise, you know, men and men and boys camps and different things like that. And okay. um, Josh and Dean got along really, really well. And uh, Josh took Dean along to these men and boys camps, and um, they had a great time. Um, and it was actually Dean who first said, um, I've got a really good idea. Why don't you and Josh get married? Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, it just sort of, it, it went along from there. And then I guess in, in God's perfect timing and when Josh and I were both ready, um, yeah, he asked me out on a date, which was really lovely. So it was lovely. I'm sure a little bit scary as well. It was. At the time, I sort of thought, oh, goodness me, I don't know if I'm ready for doing it all again yeah um, but it was amazing how you know little things were happening that um and it just felt like it was you know it was it's god's plan to to bring us together and Mm. um yeah our friendship 
started to blossom into into romance and yeah. And here you are married. That's right, yeah. We started dating maybe around mid mid last year and um, just after Christmas um, Josh proposed and um, yeah, we got married uh, in February this year. Wow, that's a very fast engagement. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it was. How do you go about organising a wedding in that kind of time? It's funny. We have all these really good stories to share on how, you know, God had his hand in in all of that preparation. I went to try on a wedding dress and it was the first shop I went into and the first dress I tried on, it was absolutely perfect. So <laughs> um, things just fell into place. We, we picked the date. It was actually Josh's birthday that, that we, we got married. Lovely. Um, and you won't forget your anniversary then. No, that's right. <laughs> he has no excuse either. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I think we planned a wedding um, in about seven or eight weeks and yeah, we, we got married. And, wow. Um, it, was, it was such a wonderful day. I had um, my pastors from Serena and, and my beautiful girlfriends from up there, Meredith and Carol and their daughters, Sally and Billy, came came down for the wedding and even Scott's family were thrilled that Josh and I found each other and, and they mm. came to the wedding and oh, gave us their blessing and it was a beautiful day. Yeah. yeah. A time of healing, I guess, and knowing that God had carried you through all of that and that he was just opening up the next chapter for you. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And mm. um, yeah, he's, God is a God of love and he doesn't want to harm us. He wants to bless us and and he certainly has blessed me. It's just been lovely to hear your story and thank you so much for sharing. I know it's been an encouragement to many people. Thank you, Shelley. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Tennille Jeffrey about the incredible life journey she's been on. Even though she's experienced several traumatic events in her life, God has carried her through and she has now come out the other side and as we heard, incredibly blessed. Her story reminds me of the old Steve Green song. If the struggle you're facing is slowly replacing your hope with despair, you can be sure that the Lord has his hand on you, safe and secure. He will never abandon you. You are his treasure, and he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us for Tennille's remarkable story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Part of the richness of our heritage now has been lost because we have no sense of connectivity to this Passover event, which occurred 1,500 years before the time of Jesus and prepared the way for exactly what Jesus himself would do when he would die upon the cross on the day of Passover as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We all know that Jesus rose from the dead and that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday. But what is not as commonly known is that Jesus took part in a Jewish holiday ritual immediately before his crucifixion and that this ritual, known as Passover, actually foreshadowed his death and resurrection. Hebrew scholar Dr John Garr will tell us the full story next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.
This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.